Uh, Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, your goodness, that you indeed carry our burdens as we go onward with you, Lord. And I just thank you so much that you are a God who sees us and you care for us, Lord. Father, as we get into your word today, we pray that it's your word that speaks to us. You know every heart and every mind, every life that is not only in this room, but maybe hearing this, you know what they're going through. And I pray that they be reminded that there is a God who not only loves them, but desires to have a relationship with them, to help them in their circumstances, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So my cough is getting a little better, but I'm going to just take a sip real quick. Um, So we're like about a few weeks into January, right? Um, How many of you made uh, New Year's resolutions going in? Any of you? Maybe. How is that going? All right, you're three weeks into the new year. How's your resolutions going? How many of you are still staying strong with your resolution? Okay, all right, there's some. How many, how many of you have already pulled the ejection cord and you're like, ah, oh, forget about it? Any of you, right? Some, maybe. I, I personally didn't declare any resolutions because I kind of know myself by now. I don't want to set myself a disappointment. But, but maybe you've you've already kind of like let a little loose on your, your resolutions, right? I don't know. Maybe you did, maybe you don't. But since if you have and you, if you have made some New Year's resolutions and we're still in the mindset of kind of self-improvement or self-change, let me ask you a question. If you could change or improve one thing about you, what would you want to improve? I know that's kind of a hard question, right? One thing, right? If it's me, I have a list of things. Right, too long to count. But if you could think of one thing that you would want to improve of yourself, what would it be? Maybe think of all the things. For myself, one of the first things that came to my mind when I thought of that, and it's not one of the highest priority things, right? It's not like number one on my list. But if there's one thing I wish could improve would be my memory. My memory. I wish I can improve upon my memory. I can, uh, there are some people who can recall conversations, right? Like verbatim. They can tell you exactly how the conversations went. It's kind of fun. You know, when Jamie tells me a conversation, she can tell me what each person says, like down the line, boom, 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 right? If I'm trying to recall a conversation, I give like a brief summary, like this was talked about. I can't say what everything anyone ever all said, but I can, I I don't remember verbatim conversations. I can barely remember what I said five minutes ago, right? But memory is something that I wish I could improve upon and um, maybe perhaps be a little (coughs) better at. Um, I don't know about you, whether you find yourself forgetting what you said before or forgetting what you you, you may have said, and that's kind of a frustrating part for me, is not being able to recall things that I have said. Um, when you've, I don't know if you've ever had a kind of perhaps a, a heated conflict with somebody, whether it's a spouse or a child or a coworker or a boss or something, and they say to you, you said 
boom, 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 boom. Do you ever feel that feeling of like, did I say that? Did I really say that? And you don't remember. And you don't even remember what they said. But then you're going to be like, oh, no, I didn't, right? I didn't say that. But you're like, I don't know if I said that or not. Right? I wish I could recall the things that I might have said. I think we've all forgotten more than we could have ever possibly remembered. It's interesting about memory that for even in our memories, our memories are not perfect, right? We don't have perfect recall, right? Like in a computer, if you save a file, it saves it whole, right? You have the whole file. I have, a, I have about 15 years of photos and videos up in the cloud, right? And if I were to pull out a video to watch it or to view it, whether it's a photo or video, it gives me the complete recall of what that lens captured, right? So if it, no matter it's 15 years ago, whatever, you open up the picture, it shows you what the lens captured, and that's what it is. If you pull up a video, you know, in my latter years or earlier years of ministry, I probably would have shown an embarrassing video of my kids, but I, I've, I, I've passed trying to embarrass my kids, right? But if I was to pull a baby video, something like that, things that I did not remember, it would show me in fullness what the lens captured, right? For ourselves, our memories aren't like that, right? When we remember something, we kind of have this picture, but even our memory is not full and complete. Sometimes our brains try to fill in the gaps of our memory, but those gaps aren't accurate, Sometimes we have false memories. Sometimes we may have suggested memories. That's a thing, right? Some scientists and studies have shown, like, if you suggest a memory to somebody, they may take it as their own. That, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. When in actuality, it may not have happened. So our memories are not, like, fully accurate There may be some pieces of it that we've kind of filled in in in, in detail, but that may not have actually occurred, right? Our memories, it's kind of interesting. Ever make make a commitment, a promise to somebody that you forgot about? Yeah, I think we've all done that, right? You made a promise maybe to your child, to your spouse, whatever degree of seriousness. Okay, I'll take out the trash. I promise. But then what happens? You don't remember. You forget. You don't keep your word on your promise. Sometimes we may not keep our word from our promise, not because we forgot, but maybe because we just, what, changed our minds. Maybe we changed our minds. Maybe we changed how we feel about it. And so, you know what, we made a promise then, but you know what, something happened where we say, you know what, forget it. I don't want to keep my word, keep my promise, right? We've all done this before, right? How many of you have been disappointed by a promise that was not kept? Okay, all right. I, I would imagine your arms down means that everybody, okay? How many of you have not been disappointed by a promise unkept? Okay, that's everybody. How many of you have disappointed somebody because you made a promise, but you did not keep it? How many of you have never done that? All right, that's everybody. Okay, no one raised their hands, right? We've all done that before. God is not that way. God is not that way. When God says he will do something, he will do it. When God makes a promise, he keeps his word. So what he says he will do, he will do. 
And a pervading theme throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament, all the scripture, we will see this pervading theme of that God sees and God remembers. God sees and God remembers. But last week, or last, I don't know, about last time we went into Genesis, so it's almost like a month ago, almost, right? Where we last left off with Noah and his family is that they were all about to, they all entered the ark because the day had come for the floodwaters to come. And the last where we left off was that God closed the door behind them. And then what happens? The floodwaters were unleashed. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 7. We'll pick up where we left off. Genesis chapter 7. Pick it off at verse 17. 7 verse 17. It reads like this. Then the, flood water, then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth. The water prevailed and, and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind. Of all that was on the dry land and all in the, whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left, together with those that were with him in the ark. The water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. I'll stop there. Again, as I mentioned before, this part of the story is not really mentioned in these Sunday school parts, right? We don't have this description of the flood account uh, in the Sunday schools. Maybe if I asked somebody to illustrate this portion of it, yeah, that wouldn't be too good in a Sunday school environment, right? But what this tells us and shows us, and Scripture's very clear, when God says he will do something, he will do it. He keeps his word. Let's go back in chapter 6, verse 7. If you remember, the Lord said, I will blot out man. From man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky. He says in verse 13, Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Verse 17, he says, And behold, I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. Chapter 7, verse 19, so the water prevailed more and more upon the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed and the mountains were covered. Chapter 7, verse 21 that we just read, all flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle, beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth and all mankind died. 
chapter 7, verse 23. <coughs> Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. So remember that God declared his judgment to Noah. He said, this is what I am going to do. And what we see in chapter seven, God held true to his word. What he said he was gonna do, he will do. Now a lot of kids, when parents say, you're gonna be in trouble if you do this. If you do this again, you are going to get what? This. Well, kids learn. Kids are smart. If they do it again and they realize, wait a second, mom and dad said they were gonna do this and here I still have my phone or the internet's still on or I can still watch TV or I can still do this. You know what kids learn? Those are just mere threats. You're really not gonna, you're not gonna take away the keys of my car because I know you need me to drive. You want me to drive, right? So we learn the veiled threats. What God was saying to Noah, he kept to his word. He followed through. If you remember from the time of our study, I mentioned one of the things we learn about God. God is purposeful and intentional in what he does. And I find it interesting in this account of the flood, we see echoes of creation take place. From what we looked at all the way back in chapter one, if you notice, (coughs) going back in creation, what was the first scene we saw? The first scene in scripture we saw, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over what? The surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the what? The surface of the waters. The first scene we see going into the creation account was the earth was covered by the waters. Day two, when God created, he created the atmosphere. In other words, he separated the waters from the sky, from the waters from the earth, right? Chapter one, verse six through eight. In day three, what did he do? God separated the waters from the land. He declared for the land to appear. So he separated the land from the waters. Day five, what did God do? He created every winged bird, right, after its kind. Day six, God declared, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after their kind. Cattle, creepy things, the beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And then, of course, God created man and woman in day six. So we saw that creation account. But here in the flood, we see what? A reversal of the creation account, right? God opened the fountains of the deep and the clouds of the sky. And he brought the two waters together for 40 days and 40 nights. The flying creatures perished. And all the land creatures, all that was outside the ark, perished. They returned to the earth. And the land that appeared in creation is now what? Covered by the waters. Right? The ground that was cursed and corrupted from the fall from what Adam and Eve's their disobedience was now what? Covered in the waters. It's interesting, right? How God works. 
I mentioned before that if God wanted to just end the story there, I think he would be absolutely justified, right? God could have just ended the story here and said, ah, forget it. No more man. No more sin that way. What I created, even though it was good, you know what, man messed it up, and so you know what, forget about it. Let's start all over. Wipe out earth and let's just do something new, right? God could have justifiably started over that way. Man sinned. He disobeyed. He gave in to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And in their act of disobedience, now what? They have the knowledge of both what good and evil. They sinned. And what have we learned? Sin unchecked is a devouring beast. Right? Sin unchecked is a devouring beast beast. That's why he warns Cain about it, right? Sin is knocking on the door. It's waiting for you to pounce on you. And what we saw that sin unchecked just consumes, takes over. And it got to a point where God said, enough is enough. Enough. And he brought the flood waters down. So God could have ended the story there, but what did we see? God showed mercy. He could have disconnected man from him from that point when they ate of the fruit. God could have said, you know what? Enough, enough with you. We're done. I'm over you. But he didn't. He didn't disconnect fellowship with him. Even in that moment, even in that time, God showed mercy. God showed his story was not going to end that way. His story was not going to end with the flood. He wasn't going to make all things new. Not yet. Not yet. What we saw is the Lord preserved a small remnant. A remnant of people, Noah, his wife, his sons, and their wives, And he preserved the animals, two of each kind, what, male and female. Why? So life can perpetuate afterwards, right? Chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. Also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed. And the rain from the sky was restrained. And the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of 150 days, the water decreased. In the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains mountains of Ararat. The water decreased steadily into the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. So he sent out the raven, and the raven never returned. He kept on flying until he sent out a dove to see if the water, if the water abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place. 
for the sole of her her foot. So she returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. Now it came about in the 601st year, in the first month, on the first of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. Oh, I'm sorry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by their families from the ark. Now there's a lot of interesting points if you study this flood flood account. (coughs) There's a lot, but for the sake of time, I just want to highlight some main points about the flood event. The key verse in this passage We read a lot of verses. The key verse, what do you think it is? Chapter 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. God remembered. That's a profound statement. That's a profound statement to think about. This is not implying that God may have, could have forgotten Noah and the animals, right? It's not implying that. It's not like God got busy doing something else and it's like, oh, you know what? Oh, man, I almost forgot Noah and the animals, right? That's not what it's implying. It's not like God was up there and said, hey, son, did you forget to turn off the water, you know? Oh, wait, we almost forgot about Noah, and the ark, right? We can do that, right? We've done that before. How many of you have ever left the water running on the sink? You're filling up a pot, and you got busy and distracted with other things, and you're like, oh, the water, you go back, and the water's overflowing. Or maybe you're cooking, cooking something on the stove. You walk away for a second, you get busy, you get distracted, whatever it is, and you completely forget that you're cooking, you go back, and the water's all evaporated, your pan's burning up, right? We've all done that before. We've all been distracted by things. We neglect to remember. We forget. How many of you parents ever forgot your kid in time out? Never happened. Never happened. You forgot you let your dog outside. And he's like trying to remind you, hello, I'm out here. You know, let me back in, right? We can do that. We can forget our promises, right? This is not what that is. It's not like, you know, when we watch a game 
And for a moment, we remember something that we promised our wives that we were gonna do in that moment. It's not like, oh my goodness, I forgot I was gonna go to the store. I was gonna do this. That's not what it implies when it says God remembered as though he would have forgotten or got distracted or had better things to do or changed his mind. What is it saying? God held true to his word. The Lord is gonna follow through with what he promised, what he said he would do. He will remember the covenant that he made with Noah. Remember chapter six, verse 18. He told Noah, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. You and your sons and your sons' wives and all those animals, what? Why? To keep them alive with you. Verse 20, of the birds after the kind, of all those animals, all those things, two of every kind shall come to you to what? To keep them alive. God remembered his covenant, meaning that he kept his word. He is going to do what he said he was going to do. What did God remember? What was his covenant? God said, I will keep you alive. You and your family, all the animals and creeping things, all that go into the ark will be kept alive. And it's interesting, even in this part of verse one, we see echoes of the creation account, right? In eight, chapter eight, verse one, God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. What does that remind you of? From the very beginning of creation account, right? Where it said the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the waters. The word for the spirit is the same word used for wind. So we see that even in, when God begins to subside the waters, we see the echoes of God's creation right there. God's hand coming over it, allowing the waters to subside. Now think about this. How long was Noah and the animals in the ark? I don't know if you noticed this when we were reading. How many of you are familiar with two calendars, right? There's two kind of calendars. The two kinds of calendars are a lunar calendar and a solar calendar, right? I think many of you are familiar with that. How long was Noah and the animals in the ark? Well, the flood event from, from the onset of going into the ark and the time that they, it was out of it, it lasted 12 lunar months plus 11 days, which counts to 354 days. So if you go by the lunar account, Noah, his family, animals were in the ark for a full year plus 11 days if you go by the lunar calendar. If you go by the solar calendar, Noah and the animals or the flood itself, that event itself lasted, what? 365 days. One full year if you use a solar calendar. So Noah and the animals were in the ark for one year. Imagine that, one year. Can you imagine the stench in that ark for one year? The people and the animals. <coughs> imagine, I would imagine, Noah and his family may have wondered, hey, how long are we gonna be in here? 
Well, maybe it's like, I don't know. We don't have any record of God telling Noah how long they were going to be in the ark. I don't know if he told them or not. Can you imagine that? Your family saying, hey, no, hey, pop, how long are we going to be in this thing? And I was like, I don't know. You don't know. God didn't tell you. I don't know. I don't know how long. I imagine the animals are getting kind of a little stir crazy in the ark, right? We get a day of rain. Our dog gets a little kind of like agitated. He's like, oh, what am I going to do? I need to go outside. I need to play. But it's raining outside. How long am I going to have to stay in the house? Imagine being in the ark for a whole year. What are some thoughts that come to your mind? We don't have any record of this, but perhaps, maybe, maybe if, you were, if I was in the ark, I would have thought, man, did God forget about us? It's been a long time. The rain stopped months ago. How long are we going to have to be in this ark? Did God forget about us? I think we could relate to that if we were in that situation, right? Because I think many of us, if not all of us, have been in situations where we wondered, did God forget about us? Did God forget about me? I see all the circumstances going around. I tried to be obedient. I tried to be faithful. I tried to do what God wanted me to do, and yet I'm still in this situation. Where's God? We can easily think that way. We can easily think that God has just forgotten about us. I mean, a whole year in that ark. That could be pretty intense, right? I bet Noah's family was getting sick of each other, right? We all know those rainy days when no one could get out and you're in the house stuck with all pandemic, right? About a year. There's been a lot of big consequences from the pandemic being stuck, I say stuck in quotations, with people for a year. Let me out of here, right? What would be your first action when you got out of the, when God said, all right, it's time to get out? What would be the first thing you'd think about? will be your first action, right? Here's Noah, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Notice, Noah built an altar. It doesn't say his sons. It doesn't say his wife. It doesn't say his son's wives. It doesn't say like the beavers or the animals helped him out with this. Noah. Noah. If you go all the way back in chapter 6, Noah alone was regarded by God as righteous, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. It doesn't say his sons. It doesn't say his wife. It doesn't say his son's wives. Noah walked with God. God revealed his plan to Noah. God instructed Noah to build the ark. Noah was obedient to God. Noah was instructed to leave the ark. And it says Noah built the altar. Noah offered up burnt offerings to the Lord when he exited the ark. 
At some point, we're gonna, we will get to Moses and the law and the, the offering systems at some point. There's different offerings that was instituted. But it's interesting that burnt offerings were, will be done by clean animals, and it was a blood offering as a voluntary offering for sin, as well as an act of thanksgiving and worship. That's what burnt offerings would, would become and would resemble when you go back to, when you go forward towards the law. So it's interesting here, coming out of the ark, that Noah offers God burnt offerings. It doesn't say that God commanded Noah to do this. Maybe he did, but it doesn't say it. We don't see that God instructed Noah to do this, but it says Noah built an altar and offered this burnt offering to God. In a time when God would exact judgment upon sin, he shows his mercies. Noah offers a burnt offering to the Lord. It's interesting. Chapter 8, verse 1, God remembered Noah. And here, going out of the ark, what do we see? Noah remembered God. Noah remembered God. This is the first thing we see Noah do, coming out of the ark, having all that time. If you were me, if, if we were Noah, perhaps we would say, oh man, all right, now we're out. Now what are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? Now what are we supposed to do, right? Maybe our thoughts would be complaining about all sorts of things. Yeah, we're finally out of there, but now what are we going to do? Noah built an altar and offered a sacrifice offering to God. He remembered God. God remembered Noah, and Noah remembered God. As Noah's obedience is evidence of his faith in God, his righteous standing before God, so too is Noah remembering God in an offering to him. We see the evidence of Noah's faith. Even in such circumstance, he recognizes God. We see a thankful faith. Noah voluntarily offered to God a thankful faith. How many of us have a thankful faith? That in our circumstances, we are able to give an offering of thanksgiving to God and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Verse 21. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on the account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. <coughs> and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So the offering was a soothing aroma. I think this is a, a picture of how God received this offering. It's interesting that prayers are described as what incense that rises up before the Lord. If you were to think of our offerings, our prayers to God as an incense to God, what would your prayers, what would my prayers smell like? What would it smell like? Have you ever walked in, maybe mom and, mom and dad or someone's cooking in the house, you open the door and the Smell of something, oh, I know that smell. My favorite. You smell it. It's a soothing aroma to you. Have you ever walked in, 
and they're cooking something you really don't like, and you go, oh, mm, not my favorite. What would our prayers to God smell like? Is it a soothing aroma? Is it a glorifying aroma? Is it like a pleasant aroma? Or is it, oh, man, that stinks. Oh, bitterness. I smell bitterness. I smell arrogance. I smell entitlement. I think this is an interesting picture how God received Noah's offering. It was a soothing aroma. At some point, we'll get more into that. It says here that the intent (coughs) of man's heart is evil from early childhood. From early on, we learn that our intent of our hearts can be evil. Yet, God will promise I will no longer do it this way. (coughs) The seasons will continue. Day and night will continue. We'll get into that more next week. (coughs) What do we learn about God in the flood account? What do we learn about God? All right, that's important, right? As we're going through, what do we know about God in this story? First thing, again, God is intentional and purposeful. He had reason and in purpose in how he even brought the flood about, how he created. So it's important for us to understand God is intentional and purposeful, even in things that we may not enjoy or like or wonder about. God can bring purpose into something, right? The second thing, God justifiably holds man accountable for sin. He was clear as to why the flood waters came. It was because sin went so rampant. Violence filled the earth. The intent of man's heart was evil continually, and God said enough. He made it clear. And he makes it clear that he justifiably holds man accountable for sin. We have to understand that in ourselves and in our minds, that we are accountable for the actions that we make and take. Third thing, God follows through with his word and carries out judgment against the sinfulness of man. People don't like to admit this. They don't want to think about this, the fact that they may be held accountable for the actions they do. A lot of people don't want to believe in God of the Bible because the God of the Bible says, you have sinned and you need to be held accountable for that sin. What are you going to do about it, right? Sinful man can't do anything about it. That's why Jesus had to come, right? But we have to take, hold on to this truth that God is going to follow through and will bring judgment for sin. Fourth thing, God is merciful and gracious. God is merciful and gracious. He could have ended it with that, but he said, I will show mercy, I will show grace. So much so that God remembers and keeps his covenant with Noah. That covenant with Noah was a promise of what? Life. Your faithfulness. I see you. 
I will keep you and your family. Your family may not have been faithful. Your family may not have been righteous, but because he's part, the part of your family, those who go into the ark will be saved. He keeps his promises. And God restores and renews. He restores and he renews. And then lastly, God provides new beginning for Noah and the creatures. God provided new beginning for Noah and the creatures. And we'll look more of that, about that next week. I don't expect you to remember all these seven points. That's not the point, right? The point is to remember is that, that we learn about God. We have a right understanding of who God is. We understand who God is of the Bible. Yes, he will hold people accountable for sin, but what? He is a God of mercy and grace and forgiveness and restoration and renewal and new beginnings. What are we to learn about this? I'll wrap up with these points. What are we to understand? What lessons do we need to learn? Okay, we understand this about God. What do we need to learn about our lives? First thing to understand Understand God's pattern and plan as we journey through the scriptures. As we go through the scriptures, see God's plan. See his pattern. See what he is doing. We're gonna see that what God does, he provides a means of deliverance, even in times of judgment, even when he comes down upon sin. God brings deliverance. God brings deliverance, a means of restoration, a means of renewal. He is a merciful God. We see that pattern throughout scripture and that pattern is in your life. God may wanna take away those things that is corrupting your life, cut those dead branches, but he wants to give you life, renewal, restoration, forgiveness. Second lesson, we need to learn that judgment is in God's hands. When we stand before God, it is he that's going to, we're gonna stand before. It's not ourselves. It's not a big mirror, right? We, walk, we, we wake up in the morning, we look at ourselves in the mirror. That person that we see in the mirror is not gonna be our judge. We're not gonna be able to determine, yeah, I was a good person. I did a lot of good things. That should be enough. No, God. We will stand before God in his judgment. Third, God's grace and mercy provides opportunity for renewal, restoration, and provision. Again, I repeat that. There is an extent to God's mercy. (coughs) But his mercy provides that opportunity to be renewed, to be restored. God sees and remembers. God stays true to his word and he sees and he remembers. That's an important lesson to remember, especially if you find yourself in circumstances where you're wondering if God sees you. If you're wondering where God remembers you, he sees you. He will stay true to his word. The last point, I'll end with this. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Just as Noah went out of the ark and said, I'm going to give a burnt offering to the Lord. 
we need to remember the Lord. We cannot forget to acknowledge God and what he's done in our lives. And you say, well, what's, look at my life, Pastor Mike. It's falling apart. And God will walk you through it and help you through it. And you will see his hand in your life. But if you don't want to acknowledge him, you will, you will struggle to find it. God sees. God remembers. We need to remember the Lord in all our circumstances. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who sees us. You're a God who keeps his promises. You keep your word. And Lord, I don't know if we can always say the same. Where we're inconsistent, we may not follow through with our word all the time. Lord, you do. And Lord, I pray for people in here today Particularly, Lord, if there's anyone who is wondering, has God forgotten about me? I pray that you would remind them that you see them, you know them. And if they would trust in you and walk with you, you will bring them through it, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness, your mercies, and your grace. In Jesus' name.